plus minus. Curry, way down to Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Hey, driving again. Oh, Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. Do you hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to the latest episode of warriors plus minus where we have a great new nickname tim how, how did he i don't even know how to say that Kawi no kaminga kami kaminga kami yeah 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 <laughs> if it's difficult to say it's not a great nickname it was funny to read it was hilarious to read this guy tweeted to me. It's like so. I was like, it's something Marcus already came up with. It's what it felt like. It's like it, it felt natural that way. We might stumble upon it a few times, but uh, I like the acknowledgement, by the way, of the merging of the two forces, Jonathan Kaminga and, and my own belief in Jonathan Kaminga. So we can ride with that. That was a pretty ridiculous dunk. Uh, a couple of them, but that first one was unbelievable. Slater, uh, what you you were there watching? What did you think of that? Just his play and that play and that single play. That was, and he said it post game. That was his best dunk of the season. You know, you could kind of see it. You know, as the ball was kind of in the air, and the way Josh Green was guarding him, you kind of saw it materialize. Josh Green is ridiculous for jumping. Like, what was he, he doing? He, was get, he thought he was gonna get it. He was gonna get it. He didn't read a scout report. Athletes think they can get it, and like most players, you can. I mean, he's a different type of leaper. By the way, not kudos to Bielitsa for the super aggressive throw ahead. I mean, that was he gets the defensive rebound and just heaves it. You know, we've seen those go awry many times with the Warriors, and that one right to the guy who you knew was going to finish it. That's like, I mean, if Kaminga gets the ball in that position, it's a dunk. Like we all know that now, and I think that's important. There's that's nobody else like finish. that on the team. There's nobody no, else James like that. James Wiseman, not like that. But, Wiseman, know. but he's not going to take. You know, is the dribble going to be correct? And yeah, it, it might be a little stumbly. I'm saying I can take one dribble and just go through a guy, and almost whoever the guy is. Now, you know, maybe not Rudy Gobert, but maybe not Embiid. Yeah, no, Wiseman can though. He'll, he'll hit that around the back move and take off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. But I just, again, it didn't mean anything for this game. But just that stuff gets people like, well, this this could happen more often. And, and maybe and, and we all know Kerr has been moving him in and out. We You know, he has to prove some things, does some aimless things, did some aimless things in that very game. But I thought he was going to get yanked. I thought he was because he, he blew a, a defensive rotation in the third quarter, early fourth. Or whatever it was, and Kerr left him in. I was surprised, but he did in the first uh, though. He first, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. yeah hey, yeah. if that and was a four-point game when he made that defensive mistake, he had a guy yanked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. He he was four or four from three last night. To me, that was the biggest thing, especially the last one where he's like, you know what? I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna get my extra little dribble in. I'm gonna show I'm gonna y'all. Feel, gonna yeah, feel I was like, look at him. All right, all right, we with it. He wasn't the star of the game. He was the star of the fourth quarter. The star of the game was. The return of Clay Thompson? Was he back? He certainly had the captain hat on in the post-game interview. <laughs> yeah, but it was, he thought he was back. He thought he was back. It was the first game. It was, man, some super interesting storylines developing here. Steve Kerr changes the rotation. He also played with Jordan Poole, and it looked like it worked against the Dallas Mavericks defense anyway. 
that was one of their worst stretches. Mavs defense is pretty good too. Yeah, Jordan Poole got going, was going, and Clay was going. So from that standpoint, it wasn't one or the other, which hadn't been a, a thing. Um, but you're right, and he he had that start of the second quarter unit, which was those three: Kuminga and Bielita, I believe it was. I mean, they were pretty turnover happy, but in general, and he said it post game, it offers them a lineup combination that defenses haven't had to deal with, which is those three scoring guards so i just think the big thing and i know tim you're you've kind of been on this too but it just gets clay in better rhythm if he's not you know doing that spurt to start the game always starting to feel in rhythm okay go over there and sit for you know curry used it said it was about 45 minutes of actual you know time why was this not known at the beginning that's the part i don't understand why when they were setting this out they weren't like you know what that's a long time for him to say they wanted him to start and finish halves right they wanted him on the floor at the end but to get him on the floor at the end if you're playing him 22 minutes you have to have this huge time in between you're basically a quarter whatever a quarter is your best what you're sitting right because you're, you're playing the first five you're sitting and then you're playing the last five that's a quarter and it was too long. I mean, I, I'm when Kerr first brought it up like a couple of games ago because Clay hadn't played a couple of games. It's like, yes, that does make sense. Why is he sitting that long? You, it's going to take him a long time to get in rhythm, no matter what, because he's been off for two years. And then you get him out of rhythm by playing him in this, you know, completely staggered situation. So it made a ton of sense. I thought Clay looked good anyway. I probably would have looked good even in, in, in the with the huge break, but he looked much better. And just knowing he's coming back in, like he's got to keep his head in. Like, I'm going to come right back in in about 20 minutes. Not 20 minutes of game time, 20 minutes of real time. I think that definitely makes him feel better. And I think it made, like, everybody seem, I think, again, Steph wasn't making the three again, but I thought Steph's shot looked fine. I thought everything was in much more rhythm. It's not just because Clay's rotation was tightened up a little bit, but it just, that's part of it. Like, you just feel they're a little more in a flow. Like, it's not like the Clay period, the non-clay period, the clay period, like kind of it blended together a little bit better. And against a good defensive team, by the way, which is amazing to say about the Mavericks, but they are a good defensive team. I believe they're third or fourth, you know, for the season. And lately they've been great. They have under 100 defensive rating in the last 10 games. Um, you know, and they've they've really emerged as, you know, into the fifth spot, right? You know, you're trying to find these tiers in the West. We've thought that top three all season. Well, Memphis jumped into it now. Dallas is right below that. So that's a good team they beat. Now, Dallas didn't play well. They had one of their better players break his foot, which was a big issue. But again, I mean, Marcus, I agree with you. I, to me, and I wrote about it, so I better have agreed with you. Clay was the story, and not just the rotation pattern, but how he played. He was just, to be honest, he was just less thirsty for, for his his own shot, and that just led to a more fluid offense. You know, when he's... He's been chastened by Slater's grilling him at the podium about his wanton shots. Let me tell you, a few words in the athletic are not as important to him as is what I'm sure, you know, film sessions and just his own understanding of how basketball should work. Slater was ready to say he was less thirsty. That's all. He he was ready to point out that the moment Clay stopped going for Clay, things started working. And you, and you know what? Anthony Slater is not wrong about this. He's wrong. He's right. He's right. <laughs> it was a little like, which is, you understood it. Right, I mean, it's Clay trying to work himself back in. He, he works himself back in by taking shots, not turning down shots. But it was a little bit re- not reckless, but it was a little bit. It's off. outside it of the offense, yeah, right? It, it was just connect. outside it, it of the offense. Con- it didn't connect to things. And I'm not saying this because our producer Brian Smith just sent us a note about it. But I will say, Marcus, Clay Thompson, multiple behind the back pass assists. I mean, I don't. I barely can remember a Clay behind the back pass. 
happen. He had behind the back passes. He didn't remember traffic. it either. He was so yeah. excited about every one of them. He was like, <laughs> it was so it was novel, amazing. right? It was. I mean, I, he, I mean, he, he dribbles behind the back occasionally, but the behind, you know, that quick, you know, really precise behind the back pass to lead to a bucket. Jesus. Uh, and and th- thank God Wiggins made that first one because if Wiggins, Wiggins didn't make that shot while he's fouled, and then he saw the baseline with the goggles. Yeah. <laughs> he been waiting to do the vision goggles for two years. I do think him making those passes, him seeing those passes, was a part of the him saying, "Okay, I'm going to be in the flow of the offense." He doesn't see those passes, and if he's playing like he was playing when he started, right? Like he's just he didn't see anybody. <laughs> he saw the rim, right now. Clay driving and looking for the guy in the corner or seeing the other guy is a part of him saying, I don't know if he said it or somebody said, Hey, Clay, the best way for you to get going is to be in the offense, not to be like this addendum to the offense where you go get yours. For some reason or another, that message clicked. And from the beginning, he was in the office, even his first, even his first basket and his first three was one of them pass out, one of them hockey assist passes, right? We hadn't even seen that, man. Clay touching the ball, that thing was going up. So I, I do believe this is the best way for him to have that game that he's searching for. Like this is for him to get some rhythm, get going, start feeling good, and then go crazy, but not like start off the game going crazy. Yeah, he made what he made three threes in about a, a minute and a half or two minutes, and that was a little bit of clay. There, there it was. That's the first time you saw that. When, and he wasn't dribbling into it, and he wasn't having, you know, the offense wasn't stopping and just going. It was like popping back up to Clay. Boop, there it goes. And that's, yeah, you're right. That's where we're going to see Clay. That's where the greatness of Clay is. He has other things he can put into it, and we've talked about it. But when it's the ball's hopping like that, and he's part of the ball hopping, and he might pass it or he might shoot it, this is when they're at. You the have to, it has to be possible, though. If you just know he's shooting it, then nobody's moving, the defense ain't doing it. I wonder how much of that was Steph, Mr. Point Guard Steph now. It's just like, all right, here's what we're about to do. He had a really nice like sequence with Damian Lee where they kept extra passing to each other. Like Damian Lee got him a good three. He got Damian Lee a three in transition. And yeah, I mean, you guys know how it works. Like, okay, really early in the game, there was a kick out where he could have taken a wing three over Kleba. And he decided, look, Andrew Wiggins is wide open in the left corner. Andrew Wiggins is like, the best left corner shooter in the NBA this season. He's 31 of 56 from there. Got it to him. It's crazy how he doesn't miss that anymore, right? Like, it's wild. Yeah, so Wiggins hits that, and then, you know, Wiggins is into the game. Wiggins is defending more. Damian Lee comes into the game, and, you know, you know they're doing the extra pass stuff, and then Damian Lee's suddenly doing all his cutting stuff, and he's he's kind of fluidly into the game. Clearly, you know, Jordan Poole suddenly wasn't iced out, and and part of that is Jordan Poole actually entering the game with not a – an attitude of like tonight's not my night. Uh, you know he was into the game. I guess Clay's here, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like everybody, because of you know, I think Clay set the tone, but because of the way everybody played last night, that felt like a Warriors type of game. And we all know, look, I mean, there's always this like constant debate of like the Steve Kerr system and is it good, is it bad, whatever. Like, if you don't move the ball, suddenly the system just completely breaks down. It looks terrible. It's built on complementary pieces and passes and movement. And if you stop that, then it doesn't look very good. Unless Steph just goes crazy. Like, I mean, I mean that, that could be a whole other thing. 
you know, when we've seen it bogged down, certainly last five, seven, 11 games, wherever it's been, it's because you see really interesting, thoughtful, valuable players, but they're pieces of things and they all have to work off each other. And when you take out Draymond and if, if Steph can't shoot right, you know, the way he's normally is, if Otto Porter is out, like then all of a sudden Gary Payton II, who, as you know, I think he's incredibly valuable, but defenses don't guard him. They did not guard him at all last night. He made a three. They were not guarding him. Like they literally were not guarding GP2. Uh, Juan Anderson. They, you know, these are players where if everything's the, the gears are all, you know, revved up, they're just cutting off, boom, 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 and there's an easy bucket for them. They're not going to get it if things are not smooth. And we saw it was not smooth for a lot of time. We saw it really smooth tonight. It was uh, last night. There was no Draymond. You figure even with Draymond, it even gets smoother. Been waiting for this. Obviously, they've been waiting. You could tell they've been waiting for it. And it was like a, just a reassurance that this is still there. They still got this. And it should get better and better. Steve basically declared them back, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we felt we like back. we were back. We're back. You know, what was confusing, Slater, uh, I kept seeing Magic Thompson on Twitter. Like, people, and I was like, <laughs> what did I do? I didn't even do anything. I haven't even. You won California Sports Writer of the Year. People are still talking uh, about it. Still buzzing. Uh, the the, the, Ma- the Ma- Magic Thompson, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Not not Michael. Um, six assists. Six assists from Clay Thompson. Man, that that's like, that's humongous. Ball moving, offense flowing. Defense, you know, having to adjust, guys hitting shots. And career high six assists? Is it a career high? I don't know. Season high for sure. But not a career yeah, high? No, he's, he's probably had him more once in a while. Not too many times, though. Not too many times. And I'll just throw they. How much better are they? Do they look when Otto Porter plays? It's just like he's not a dominant player. But that one shot they have to hit, that just kind of when the other teams made a couple buckets in a row, Otto Porter makes that shot. Like, And, and he takes that shot. I think I wrote they're three and four when he doesn't play. Probably it's been extended now. Maybe it's three and five. Like they, just, they look, they look more normal when Otto Porter's out there. And Kerr is, hasn't been a starting lineup. You know, these these are interesting pieces of what they are right now. Eight, by the way, is Clay Thompson's career high in assists. In the last year, he did a lot. Not last year, the last time he played. The last year he played, he's done he it did. four times. Yeah, seven in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's why he's starting him over Kaminga. I think they just want more stability in that starting lineup. They want more floor spacing. And while Kaminga is hitting the three more, we all know who defenses fear more as a shooter, which would be Otto Porter. Uh, and Otto Porter defends. He's like, you know, we talk about, and, you know, obviously I wrote about it a couple of days ago, like this, like their lack of centers. But part of the reason they're comfortable beyond the fact that Kavon Ludi, who we should continue to shout out for this season that he's having, he really is having a great season. And like, yeah, what was he making eight million this year? Whatever, like six million. Yeah, all I mean, in spite like, of Kawakami. Yeah, what to, is what uh, is Looney worth? What 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 what? what this is like a eighteen million dollars season. Ooh, right he's like gonna that. be a free agent. Come on, <laughs> yeah, I know. Looney's agent <laughs> is uh, hearing this. He's enjoying that that statement. Eighteen million. Ooh. I don't know. If he's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna get it. That's not what mar- centers get in this market. But I'm saying that's the kind of value he's putting up there for him. At, 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 yeah. He's really kind of saved the the front office. You know, allowed them to to kind of keep the idea of what they want the roster to be. Right? Because if he's not available for you know large patches of this season, 
They'd have, they have to. to make they, would they would have no have choice. Yeah, um, they have to. Otto Porter, though, is helping here, too. He has been somewhat of an interior presence. I mean, we've talked about it. Just like, you know, rebounder, shot blocker. It's nothing incredible. He's not going to be guarding Jokic for 25 minutes in a playoff series. But just his ability to defend well as a as a 4-5 guy, man, and shoot the three. And just steady, smart player. I mean, I mean he's just a good basketball player. He gets the tough ones, too. That's what I like. Like, when it's those fourth quarter rebounds like he's in there he's in there in the mix I, I, I like that about him uh you know who actually is better later in the games at that is is Bielita. like he will look like right when we're like why is this dude on the court like he's got to sit down doesn't when when then, mt is when mt is saying no, why is when i say like we i mean me and the rest <laughs> of the words fans who are thinking this he'll get that he'll get a rebound or he'll like you know he'll do it at a at a time of the game where they need it which, you know, obviously Steve loves him. But I, I did want to say uh, Looney is what? Let's see, a 12 of his last 14 from the field. Right after I posted this poll asking whether Clay should have dumped it down to Looney or not, he's been on fire or th- 13 and 15. I'm telling you, you sleep on Even though he didn't he didn't even get a shot off last game. But <laughs> Run the offense through Looney. Run the offense through Looney. Make sure he touches the ball. He's got to go. He got to go attack. Iso, Iso, Luke. I, I know Luke. your inclination is to give the credit to the flowy Warriors offense to Steve Kerr, but I'm going to go ahead and give the credit to me because you know why the offense was flowing better? You know what was happening? Is California later? Sports Writer of the Year? <laughs> no, because Steph Curry had the ball in his hands more. Steph Curry was penetrating, getting into the paint, kicking, moving the ball. Steve Kerr is shooting the mid range. Shooting the mid. Yes, he took four mid range shots, uh, which is a a really good, I think, a really good sign. Even though he was just what two for eight, two for nine from three, the fact that he's hit the mid range was was a really good sign because he was even missing those. But he was pretty money on the mid range. Uh, But he is clearly decided like my three isn't falling. I'm going to keep shooting because I really want this to get going, but I'm also going to do the driving kicks, do the draw to and and kind of control the game in that way. To me, that that was a huge difference. It wasn't just a hey, stand over there. We're going to run a couple sets to get you a shot. The amount of times his foot touched the paint was was critical to the ball movement. And it wasn't just him either. Obviously, Jordan Poole was doing the same thing. Agree, you know, and he hasn't been as great finishing this season as as he certainly was last season. He was incredible finishing. How many times have we seen Steph go up with that left hand in traffic and not make it? It just rolls off the rim, and or that so, right yeah. one where he stretches out, just flip a little it, yeah, flick. flip it, yeah. 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 The fl- it's tougher and whatever. I mean, obviously defenses are are all over him. I'm not criticizing for him. I'm just saying that's where the the twelve footer comes into place. Just stop and hit that twelve footer, and that you know if they start having to play that, then maybe the three opens up where it's a better look although as he's pointed out to slater like he's not making wide open threes right now which is probably the most disturbing thing for him he's gonna score he's gonna make defenses react to him just gotta figure some things out i i thought he looked better shooting it last night i did i thought he looked there was a one hesitant three where you could tell he paused and thought about it but most time it seemed like in the flow they were kind of you know they were there weren't those like you know he's hit those side rims in the last few weeks. It's just crazy. Like I, I've never seen him do that this often. Or air balls. I think he might be getting himself back into it. Maybe and he gets himself back into it with those mid ranges and feel the ball go in the rim, see it happen, and then that extends it out. I I I don't 
think this is going to continue. It's continue way longer than I thought it was going to. But they've still won games with this, and they can win games with this. And there's a lot of other pieces that are involved, but I think he's okay. I'm sure MT's like crisis crisis mode here, but I, I think I think Over Steph's Steph, okay. nah, <laughs> never, <laughs> not at all. I, I just look. You can't violate basketball truth, and in the honor of. I don't want to act like he's dead or anything. Jim Barnett, if your shot's not going from the outside, you go inside, inside out. And Steph has decided to play inside out. Like that was clearly his focus. I'm going to go inside out instead of the modern approach, which is if you miss it from three, shoot more threes. Yeah, like, keep going. Shoot more. <laughs> that's, you know, that, maybe that's how, how they did it in o- at Oklahoma State in the intramural games. <laughs> I'm not a three-point right. shooter. I'm inside, rebounder. Slasher. I, yeah, slasher. Slasher. Exactly. You mentioned Jim Barnett. He was, go- he was uh, going off on D'Angelo Russell last night. Did you see that? D'Angelo Ruff- Russell traveled twice uh, before they called goaltending. He's tweeting about it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, in a yeah, in a non Warriors game, it was kind of interesting. But I, I also I've said this before: when Jordan Poole makes shots, Warriors look so much better. They just it's because they, they're those are shots that are going in that aren't going to go in from anybody else because of the group that he's with usually. Because he's not always out there with staff. He's out there with the second unit. These in this recent iteration of the Warriors, and when those shots go in, just the Warriors look better. They look calmer. Everything seems better. When Jordan Poole makes shots, the problem is he doesn't always make them. He has recently, and as Slater has touched on, the clay thing certainly affects Poole the most. Playing time, shots, the whole thing. But if he's going to play 20 minutes a game and he can make eight shots, that they almost win every time. I don't know that for a fact, but it feels like it to me. It's become like he's like the new Iguodala. When Iguodala makes a couple of threes, they always win. When Poole is feeling good and offense flowing with him, and then he's so hot they can play him with Steph extra minutes, the, uh, the Warriors always look better. You could tell they are trying to get him on the floor more. Um, you know, he was – in the clay games, he hadn't been coming in for clay. Uh, he'd be coming in like the not, you know three-minute mark of the first quarter and – for Steph, yeah, he comes yeah. In for Steph. So that changed last night. It was like coming for Clay at the six minute mark when Clay came out in the first half, and then Clay because they were trying to do those three little segments for Clay in the second half at the nine minute mark, three minutes into the second half, Jordan Poole was into the games. You know whose minutes that that yeah. cuts? They're they're prioritizing getting him on the floor more, which I think you know behind the scenes allows them to be like, look, you still have massive responsibility because the truth is, like he's been in the clay games, it isn't just always missing some shots. He's just playing with a much more casual attitude. Like, well, if I'm the seventh or eighth most important player, <laughs> I better act like I'm the seventh or eighth most important player. Slater is Jordan. I guess Poole. Clay's here, so maybe that means I'll go stand in the corner. <laughs> He definitely, there was one moment, there was one moment at the game. It wasn't this game, it was last game where he's inbounding the ball, I think, or they're about to inbound the ball. And Clay comes in and he waves for Jordan Poole. And Poole, his whole body, his whole countenance just falls. He's just like, and then he runs off. He doesn't, doesn't shake his hand. You can tell he's like, come on, man. I was just getting, I was just getting going. It, I mean, we said it would be tough, right? And this is what, like, it would have to be something to deal with. So we knew it was coming. The interesting part for me, and I wonder if you guys thought this was interesting, you know, they've added, you know, Clay Thompson to, so they've added a shooter. But since Clay's come, it's it's hurt Gary Payton's minutes and Damian Lee's got more minutes. Is that is that a bit surprising? You figure with Clay, you don't need the shooting as much, but they've gone with 
Damian Lee, I mean, almost I'm looking at it now, like all, like significantly more than Damian GP. Damian Lee's playing like pretty well right now. I was just surprised they went that that Steve went that route. I thought you need Damian Lee, you need another shooter, but you don't need the shooting if you got Otto Porter, you got Clay, you got Steph, you want the defender. But Gary Payton played five minutes for the first 40 minutes of that game or 30 minutes of that game. Uh, he was just kind of out. Is that surprising to you that Steve is going with Damian Lee? I don't think it's surprising. We know Steve, right? He, he goes with the guys that he feels comfortable with. And I think he said it. Like, he thinks they need more shooting. And GP2 does gives him a lot of things, but shooting is not one of them. You know, they have been clunky offensively. They they maintain great defense throughout this with, with Draymond out or Iguodala out or Draymond and Iguodala out. And, and I think Kerr's just going to go with a guy he thinks, we all know Lee isn't a dead-eye shooter. He isn't going to be 40% from three, but he's willing to take it. And he can take it, and, and I think that's where Kerr goes. I would I would go lean more towards GP two. In fact, and I would say even like Kaminga for some of those minutes because he can defend the two. But we know Kerr. Kerr goes with veterans that he can trust and like he thinks can hit an open shot when everyone else is you know just stumbling and trying to shut down Steph Curry. He wants a guy over there who can hit that shot. And so I guess it's not surprising. I don't know if this is the way it's going to be in the playoffs. But there's no question he's picked Lee over GP2. And, again, if you're looking for Kaminga minutes, that's kind of where they are if Draymond is playing. Right? He's getting these minutes because Draymond's playing. But I don't know if this is going to last the whole season. It's it's lasting for now. But I'll just say so. I mean, it sounds like the front office wouldn't mind seeing some more minutes for GP2 and Kaminga. I'll just put it that way. Just, you know, Steve has total right on, on deciding this. But... I think those are the broader talents, no question. The objective right now, their objective is to like get the offense going. And he seems to be making rotation decisions dependent on that. And like, you know, Damian Lee keeping the flow of the offense, you know, put him in, he make it smart play, smart cuts. Like Gary Payton, he by the way, he's like hitting he hit another corner three last night. He kind of I'm is about to say, three. come on, man. We gotta we can't act like this dude ain't out here. Look. He's slashing, he's scoring every single metric that he has, you know, indicates like when he's on the court, they dominate. So like that would be a very clear and probably proper argument if any front office person or us were trying to make it for Gary Payton. But it seems clear to me there's still somewhat in Steve Kerr's mind like Gary Payton's somewhat of a defensive specialist. And like that is when they're making rotation decisions. Sometimes I think that matters. And then it matters who's on the other team. Last night, Luca was being guarded pretty well by Wiggins and Clay because to me, Luca, particularly, you know, thicker Luca, we'll call him, uh, not as quick, <laughs> is can be defended by Wiggins and Clay, where like the Ja Morants of the world, the quick guards. Like Gary Payton's got to play like twenty five minutes that night because he's got to guard those guys. I mean, when they play Memphis, if they play Memphis in a playoff series, Gary Payton has to be on the floor because he's the only one that can stay with Jaw. It's dependent on team, I think, that they're playing. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm just saying, one of them is shooting better from three. One of them is Aaron <laughs> defense is more than the other from three. Exactly. Like it's just one, there's one, a difference. One of them is shooting sixty-three percent from the field. I don't know who. What's scarier to you, uh, the backdoor lob from Gary Payton or the open three, for Damian Lee? Gary Payton. Or Damian Lee. I mean, I guess I respect Gary Payton. I would play him, but I understand defenses just don't guard him. So you still you get those shots because defenses are not guarding him, but that screws up everything else. Defenses are not they don't guard him, they don't guard JTA, they don't guard Looney. You know, like that's it. That like you can't play combinations of those guys together and feel like you're gonna have a real offense. That's just the unless it's just straight ISO, ISO, ISO. And even those defenses can, you know, gang up on that because they're not guarding those other guys. I think that's the decision that Curry's making. I would say find a way to get GP to 18 minutes no matter what, but I get the logic here. And, you know, this is a little different. Curry usually goes defense first, right? It's always defense. But I think the offense has been so stuck in the mud for so long. You know, it all doesn't matter if Steph's shooting 45% from three, right? It just doesn't matter. But in that moment, with Steph not shooting the three that well, I think he's just force feeding some other things, and defenses do have to guard Damian Lee at some point, and they're not guarding GP two, and 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 that's the decision. And for some reason, Steve Kerr can throw whoever he wants on the court, and they're going to defend. Like they just defend. Like you know, Draymond Green's gone. Oh, they're just locking up the Mavericks. Like whatever. I mean, Looney helps in that, but it's just like pretty much every combo they have. I think Damian Lee defends. Though. Yeah, he I, does. He, I mean, he like he tries. He's not Gary Payton. Yeah, he go. He gets hard. Yeah, he he goes no, hard. No, no, Damian Lee he gives you something you have to go up against. And the interesting thing is like Poole isn't, but he's good on that backside stuff, right? He's got how many swoops? That's two times, blocks? right? Yeah, he came I mean, out of he's like, yeah, yeah. like he's got that size. He can do not, you know, when you go back and say when there's a dribble drive right through the lane and it's an easy layup, is Jordan Poole the reason? Like sometimes that's, yes, it very often is Jordan Poole or it's Kaminga or it's like you can see what happened there. But on that weak side, he's, like, good at that. Like, he's got some jump in him, and he comes sweeping across. He rarely fouls with those. I've been impressed by Poole on, on the help defense. So I think that's good. You know, that just is proof or it's evidence that he can get better and better on defense to where he's not a liability. At this moment, he's the guy that – he's a team offensive attack. They, they look for where Poole is or Bielitsa. And when Poole and Bielitsa are on the floor together, they got two guys they can go at. The chase down block is going to chase become a thing later. No, yeah. chase down. <laughs> he's an uh, instinctual player. Like he just sees the floor really well. I mean, obviously, he's just like a really smart basketball player. Smart players should be good team defenders. Should be their big thing with him has always been like just be physical, get in the mix, like bump a big if he's near you, box out because I think he tends at times to kind of float away from contact on the defensive end. But he's gotten stronger over the years, which has been a big thing. And he, you know, he does care, you know, particularly when he's really in the rotation and maybe having a good offensive night. He does care about the winning defensive stuff. 
you know, he's got size. I mean, that's why I thought, like, you keep him no matter what when he was struggling. You know, don't just get rid of him is because he's 6'5". He is 6'5". Like, you know, that's the typical Myers thing is, like, if you're going to err on something, err on the, you know, 6'5 guard, 6'9 forward, 7 foot center. Like, always err on the terms of length and size. Sean Livingston, Andre Godala, we've gone over and over and over and over. But he's got that. So if he's just is a little bit better on the ball and we know that, you know, he can help on the weak side, that he can be a very decent defensive player. So far, not so much. But he can be, and then that's going to earn him more minutes. You know, I think that'll get him. Kerr's going to make sure he gets him on the on the floor if he knows he can trust him on defense, and that's not quite there yet. I'm confused by this, by the way. Like Steve's, like okay, I'm prioritize offense and defense. Like he's a defensive coach, but then he's playing this guy who gets torched on defense, and this guy, like, he's juggling. He's juggling a lot, which is part of the. You know, well, they the got a lot of different players. Numbers. Yeah, that's yeah, that's part yeah, of they the got depth. All... Welcome to coaching at the highest level, Marcus Thompson. Oh, 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 oh. oh wow! Marcus yeah, so... just specializes in Steph Curry. What he should be doing, he's just that's his expertise. Chill. Uh, GP two is an offensive jump starter. That dude, man, nobody's guarding him, which is all open lanes <laughs> to the basket, and that dude is finishing. So, I think he's a great jump starter on offense. His dunk on Batate was like dunk of the year for the Warriors, I think. Even more than that Kaminga one last night. Oh, yeah, especially the uh, the head scratch afterwards. like uh, Leading to the headbutt and the ejection. Which actually is probably the reason why they lost. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> because they needed him on the court. <laughs> All right, so uh, Slater, when's Draymond coming back? They don't know. That's I mean, like that's probably the most honest way to put it. It's 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 an unknown timeline, and it really always has been. This isn't something that they thought was going to be two weeks, and he was back, and oh, suddenly Sunday comes around the two week mark, and oh, he's not yet ready. Like we will reevaluate him in two weeks, and it was clear, even though they didn't like maybe transparently say it, like they're shutting him down for two weeks, right? It was going to be physical therapy stuff. It was going to be all these different methods to try to get this back feeling better i guess the calf feeling better via the back i mean it's kind of a a tricky injury but they're gonna be extremely patient with it i mean at this point and they're showing they can win games without him at this point the only objective should be like getting draymond green's body you know healthy enough and ready for a long playoff run so after the break probably you know it probably will be after the break i mean again so much of it is dependent on like how he feels day to day more than any other injury you know usually you sprain an ankle or whatever like you know look the ankle is going to feel better after one week and you know every single day it's going to feel a little bit better and generally these type of injuries grade two ankle sprains it'll be this amount of time this is more of a like how does it feel today how does it feel tomorrow they don't know i don't think draymond knows how he's going to feel necessarily the next day so I can't sit here and give you like an exact pocket of the schedule that I think he's going to return. I think they're on a completely unknown timeline and they're trying their best to get him back in time with while also keeping the mindset of like there's a lot of runway till he has to be back. There really is, especially because they're going to win a lot of games without him. I do think they want to get out there with Stephen Clay, though. I mean, I'm you know, they have not played in two years plus together i don't think it's going to take a ton of time but you know as clay gets adjusted to this you don't want to have to go okay wait a minute clay's adjusted now but wait a minute here comes draymond back and again i don't think it's a massive thing but you kind of do want to see that you kind of do want to feel that for 20 games 30 games whatever it's going to be and if there is an adjustment if there is something they've got to kind of jiggle somewhere around 
you want to feel that again. I don't think. It, I mean, mostly it's it's Steph and Clay, just because Clay needs to get back in and feel that offense with Steph. But I do think there is some anticipation of being able to see those three guys on the floor together. And then you don't want to work Andre in there again. It, it, there's all many different pieces, but also I think there's some intrigue. Like, hey, let's see Kaminga get some run. And I'm mostly talking from a front office point of view here, maybe not a coach's that point of view. But this does open up some minutes for Kaminga, and they want to see it. And I want—I know I want to see it. Like, l- let's see this guy go. And there might be a way to get him, you know, a real role for the playoffs. And I don't think other teams are going to want to see that guy playing well in the playoffs. He's something they got—he's somebody they got to deal. Like, he's on the scouting report right now. Like, he is on the scouting report. There are not that many offensive players the Warriors have who are on a scouting report as a difference maker. And I think Kaminga could get on that scouting report. He is on that scouting report. He might screw some things up, but this does get him some minutes. So I, I don't, you know, there is, there is a brighter side to, to some of this and you can delay it with, with Draymond even more knowing, man, we should, sure want to take a look at Kaminga here and they are getting a look at him. Everything should just be focused on be, getting Draymond Green's body to where they believe he can do a long playoff run. Right. Because I mean, we know what 22 playoff games do to, bodies particularly Draymond Green who's going to play if he's at his best 38 minutes of like high level scattering defense physical play you know just like the mental toll against the Jokic yeah. is against the all the Aiden, bigs. Yeah, you know how, yeah. how much is he going to be needed against Aiton in a, a Phoenix series so you know there are side benefits like you mentioned the Kaminga there are definitely drawbacks which is like the lack of integration time with him and Clay and it is crazy that literally the game he you know, disappears from is the clay return game, but it's to me. And again, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing the imaging. I'm not talking to Draymond Green on a daily basis on how it's going. I'm certainly not a, an expert, so I don't know when that's going to be. But to me, like that, that's it at this point. Like just get him where you feel like it, where he feels like his body can go through the gauntlet of the playoffs, because that's all that matters to them. Right? That's the difference between being a contender or not. Because if Draymond Green cannot do that. I don't think they win. And I think if we get to the All-Star break or even a little bit after the All-Star break and we're saying the exact same things about Draymond, don't know, uncertain, then it starts to get to be a countdown. Like that's when the clock really starts because the playoffs come pretty quickly after that, right? A month and a half or whatever. This is their leeway. This is the time. This is why they won all those games. Like they're fine. They're going to be the three seed or maybe at worst the four seed. This is kind of set up that way. And you don't need to, to, to chase wins. You just don't right now. But you did in the beginning to try to get yourself to this spot. And then if they get into late February and they're still not sure, uh, if I'm like done writing my 49ers Super Bowl parade stuff and turn wake up and Draymond's still oh, a the question prediction. mark. I think oh, the <laughs> prediction. I didn't say if, if theoretically. He better get back by Sunday then. That's when <laughs> that's when it ends. It could. It very possibly could. Very possibly could. Slater calling it. Slater calling it. I would have called uh, it Lambo too and I was wrong, so. <laughs> I uh, we can go off on a whole other tangent on that one, but I they have time. I have not sensed any real nervousness on the on the Warriors front office part, but that doesn't mean you know, maybe they're they're wrong or maybe they're misleading us. I just like I if they were really worried about Draymond, I think we would have picked up that feel by now, and I, I don't get. That. I don't feel like any like nervousness, like boom tomorrow it's going to be announced. So it's just that I don't know the season ending. I That's think the, the nature yeah. of the injury is ner- yeah, back. Anytime you talk yeah. back, right? Anytime you talk back, it's another thing they don't know, right? They like they don't know when Wiseman's situation. They don't know 
Draymond situation. They don't know what's going on with Steph shot, <laughs> right? Like it's, but, but you know, the back and Wiseman's like super delicate. That's the part where it's like, okay. Cause, because these are two people who they're essentially banking on uh, for the, for the end of the season and for the playoffs as bodies that they need. They've already, they've, they've made the bet. Obviously there's still time to make a trade, but they've, you know, are like they're not trading anybody. They're not going to sign a big man. So this is it. And now two of those guys are kind of like, I don't know what's up with this. And you have to be super sensitive because it is a back issue. And, you know, Rick Celebrini is not like he's not playing games with this. Like he's he's the he's going to be the most cautious dude in the world about this stuff. So that's the that's the little bit of concern that I think I'm getting is that. It's another thing they don't know, and it's kind of messing up. There's no timeline on this type of injury. That's the problem. And you know what? Back thing, I do think like long plane rides are not good for that. I mean, having my own minor, minor, minor back issues on long plane rides are not a good thing. And many, multiple, across the East Coast, like they're not good things. Like, we'll see. Uh, And, you know, Andre goes in the same cat. Like, you know, can they play Andre? For 21 playoff games you know can they can they write them down for 21 playoff games probably not they couldn't in 19 right they couldn't so we'll see they, there's there's definitely some question marks again this is why you get the win. can you imagine if they were you know 26 and 20 right now you know <laughs> it'll be a little different feeling than than they are whatever they went 30 35 and 13 yeah and they're look we saw it last night they just smashed one of the hottest teams in basketball last night without them like they're going to win a lot of games again, but it's what I said earlier. Like if he isn't himself, they don't win the title. And so it's all about getting him to be himself. And here's something that we've known. And it just seems to surprise national people every single time. Maybe other people, they are counting on Wiseman, right? They they are counting on Wiseman, like not counting, like he's going to be the main guy, but they like, they are plugging him in as a playoff factor. They really are. I think that's less and less. I just think I think that I would agree like training camp that was the thought because training camp the thought was like see him in December. But James Wiseman is not doing contact on January 26th. I'll say okay, the coaching staff might not. But uh, the front office is still like I think this guy can play. Like I think this guy you know. Again, I'm not like less optimistic on like year 5 James Wiseman. I think he has a good future. My concern would be James Wiseman has played 39 NBA games in a in the pandemic season, which we all know how that went poorly, and has not played forget NBA basketball has not played five on five contact basketball in now like ten months, and then suddenly you know when when do we think is the optimistic you know quickest we'll see him like late February March May, maybe yeah, end of end, end of February and then yeah, suddenly a month or two a month and a half from that he's going to be in Utah like getting 12 minutes in a playoff game in he's a that nice. rotation Come on. he's that nice he's seven foot Brian Davis on the TNT broadcast just threw it out there last night I assume he's been told this like he goes oh you know Weissman's going to be playing a lot of G League games like he's more than people expect he's going to be playing in the G League which why would Brian Davis just say that when we hadn't heard them say that? So I assume he's heard that from either Kerr or Myers or somebody. Uh, and maybe that's what they're thinking. Like you get him, like maybe he's ready to play in the G League in three weeks and you get him six G League games and that's end of February. And he's, you know, they feel pretty good. Again, I don't know. And they've been wrong about him. And who's to say that he's going to not come back, be healthy and then get hurt again. Right. That's, that's just been his, his path. But that stuff doesn't come out just randomly. You know me. I study these national broadcasters because they talk to people in these production meetings and they hear things that we don't hear. 
Uh, I'm curious about that that comment, and I think it's a clue about what they're thinking about with Wiseman. Yeah, he needs reps, and like that is the place to get him reps right now. When like you know, th- again, if he came, if he comes back in December, it's more of a fluid. Like yeah, toss him in and see what he looks like. Now it's like you could tell Kerr's like trying to figure, especially with Clayback, like figuring out who can help. And because we're not going to see him until like we're really in like the runway to the playoffs, knowing how he operates, he's going to look down the bench and he's going to look at Otto Porter. He's not going to look at James Wiseman because Otto Porter has proven to him. He's going to look at Bielitsa, baby. Yeah, honestly, he is. And maybe that's not yeah, – nah. he's going to look at Kaminga. He's, if he's going rookie, he's probably going to look at Kaminga, right? Yeah, I mean, Wiseman ain't a rookie, though, man. Come on. He's going <laughs> second year. He's looking out a bitch. He's, first off, the first person he's going to see is James Wiseman because he's the biggest dude out there. True. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like if, if the bar is super low and the role is simple, like that's Wiseman can do it. Kuminga is going to pass Wiseman in NBA games played uh, in the next week. Steve just doesn't see him as a center. I mean, it's been pretty clear. Like that's where the minutes are. I keep saying it. And Kerr's not playing him there because Kerr sees him as a big wing. And I get it. Like it just it, it's a different feel, a different flow when he's a wing. If he's not guarding the center and he's the center, then you have to find someone else who's guarding the center. I do think there's a path. To, I do. I've heard that there's a path for. I'll just put it that way. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. But they they're still going. You know what? This guy can still give us six minutes. Wiseman like, dropping twenty and ten his first game back after the All Star break. Book it. Write this down. I'm telling you, Magic Thompson. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll write that down. What are we? What are we throwing money on? On that? <laughs> oh, ain't nobody putting no money on nothing. And that's our show. <laughs> no money down. That's our no, new name no, of our show. No money down. No money down. <laughs> well, some of us have to go to L.A. So you enjoy the Brooklyn game. You guys both going to L.A. It's an NFC Championship little, game, man. Yeah, a little bit at stake there, Slater. A little bit at stake. If yeah. Kevin Durant was in the Brooklyn game, would that have changed or no? No, we're going to the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Even KD, even KD. KD might be at the NFC Championship Yeah, KD's going to gonna slide, too. He's he gonna might, he might actually be taking <laughs> photos, photos yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah, sideline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the Players' Tribune. Yeah, no, that's, that's big. You know, um, the Warriors are in L.A. Super Bowl Sunday. Really? Oh, they, uh, they play Monday, but they're flying. They'll be down there. Good luck at finding hotels there, Slater. Uh, I actually might fly Monday morning because they play Monday. You know, I don't know. Because trust me, I have looked and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on in <laughs> LA?" Wild. I and think I Mark. Like, oh. I think Mark has got a six hundred dollar a night hotel room at this point for the Super Bowl. So. Hey, I booked it five eighty nine. Like, let's go! <laughs> oh wow. my goodness! Oh my goodness! I did not do that. I did not do that. But MT just flies on a higher level than me. You, hey, and, it, they win this game Saturday, Sunday. You will do it. <laughs> <laughs> you will book that six hundred dollar night. Room. I'm in. I'm in Pasadena. I'm happy in Pasadena. That's fine by me. But we shall see. It's it's a very going to be a very interesting experience. But we shall see. We shall see. It's Super Bowl. What things change, but not for MT. He he's going to be eating the caviar and living in that five hundred fifty dollars suite. You already know. All right, for Tim Kawakami, Anthony Slater, we will holler at you next week. Deuces. <laughs>